Good morning, Christ United. All right, I'm Jeff. I'm lead pastor here. If God's been good to you, give him what he deserves. Mercy. I was about to come unglued back there. Was that amazing, the presence of God in this place, right? Powerfully so. We're in a series um, called All In, and we've been, been really talking about what it would be like if all of us were all in, fully in, um, in our relationships with God and the difference it would make in this world and in our lives. And, and last week, we talked about the fact that that really comes down to loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, and, and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. And, and so everybody's kind of at that place of saying, yeah, man, you know, I just feel like um, I'm ready. Today we dive in to a passage of scripture. Um, there are five segments in the book of Matthew that are these big segments that Jesus teaches, big hunks. Um, and one of those we started with, which was the Sermon on the Mount. Now we're at the last one he does before he goes toward his crucifixion. And this one is called the Olivet Discourse. All right. And the Olivet Discourse was on the Mount of Olives looking over Jerusalem. And Jesus sat down with his core disciples and he was teaching them. Powerful, powerful stuff. But I just want to tell you, when I was a teenager... When I was a teenager, you guys, teenagers. Who's a teenager? Raise your hand if you're a teenager. Wow. Great. Awesome. I love that. Way to go. But I hated, I hated this passage. It freaked me out. And only after I understood it did it begin to be something that I love. It is so powerful, all right? So here's the thing. You've probably skipped over it. Every time you've read it, we're going to do it today. But here's what's happened is... is is now Jesus has just said it's all about loving God and it's about loving people. And then he turns around to the, to the religious leaders and he just tears them up. He says, man, you're full of hypocrisy and you're doing all this religious stuff, but you're not doing anything to love and really do what's right. And as he's leaving the temple, when he's actually getting on some of those religious leaders, he says to them, look, your house is less, left desolate. He said, man, it's, it's all coming to an end. And so it says that as Jesus was leaving the temple, and this is in chapter 24 of the book of Matthew, if you want to follow along, in chapter 24 and verse 1, it says, Jesus was leaving the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. He said, Do you see all these things? He asked. He said, truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. They will all be thrown down. So here's what Jesus is saying. Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. The temple's going to be destroyed. All this is going to happen. Well, here's what these guys already knew, is they already knew through like the prophet Daniel um, or through the prophet Zechariah. They knew that there was prophecy that these things would happen, and they knew it all had to do with the end, with the end of time. And so can you, can you get where they were? They were like, wait a minute, we've heard about this and we've, we've known the temple was destroyed in the past and it will be destroyed again. And when it's destroyed, that's going to be marking the, the, you know, the beginning of the end. You know? and, and so as he's thinking about that, these guys are obviously asking the question like, oh my goodness, when is all this going to happen? And I just want to ask you, how many people here in, in, in all that's happening in the world and all that's happening in the Middle East and everything that's, that's going on around you ever kind of think, well, I've heard all this stuff about the end, you know what I'm saying? And you begin to wonder, when is all this going to happen? So Jesus sits down. He's on his way from Jerusalem and he's, he's just said this to these guys and he goes up onto the Mount of Olives that looks over Jerusalem. He can see the temple and see the, the city there. And he sits down on the Mount of Olives. And it says, as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the signs of your return and, 
and of the coming of the Son of Man and of the end time. All right? So, so when Jesus began to respond to that, this is his response. Okay? He says, Watch out that you're not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and be put to death. All nations of the earth will hate you because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will, will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But whoever stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desecration spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. And then let all those in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight does not take place in winter or on a Sabbath. For there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For many false Messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you ahead of time. So if someone says, look, there he is out in the field, don't go out or out in the wilderness. He said, or if they say, here he is in the inner room, don't believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is also visible in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Where there's, wherever there's a carcass, the vultures will gather. It'll be clear. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will go and gather his elect from the four winds and from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs are tender and the leaf comes out, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that it is near. It's right at the door. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But as for the day and the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, 
but only the Father. For as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other one left. Two women will be grinding at a handmill. One will be taken and the other one left. So keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour of the night the thief was coming, he would not have let his house, he would have kept watch and would have not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And these disciples, having heard this, are all of a sudden realizing this reality that Jesus said, all this stuff that you're beginning to see happen is going to grow worse. And as it, as it grows worse, it's going to come to a place that it's going to be right at the door. And so you're not going to know when it's going to happen. It's going to happen when you don't expect it and you don't know it's coming. Now, here's what's so profound is that Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. You remember what Jesus said? He said, when you see all these things, you know that it's near, right at the door. Here's the truth. Those disciples in that generation saw everything accomplished that brought it right to the door. There was absolutely no doubt. It is right at the door. It could happen any second. And Jesus was saying, it may seem like a long time that you're waiting, but it's going to come so suddenly you will have absolutely no opportunity to prepare for it. It's coming, and it's coming like a thief in the night. And so Peter, interestingly, wrote 30 years later, or a little over 30 years later, Peter writes this in 2 Peter chapter 3. You can read it, starting in about verse 3. He says, understand this. In the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and saying, where is this coming that he promised? Ever since our fathers died, things go on as they have since the beginning of creation. He then goes on and talks about the flood just like Jesus does. And he's saying, look, you've you got to understand, you're, you're forgetting that this is going to come all of a sudden. Then he says this in verse 8. He says, but understand this. He said, do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the day... I mean, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord, Peter said, will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed it's coming. You get the picture? Peter got it. Every one of the disciples got it. They realized that Jesus had set them in this place where they would realize everything is set. He's right at the door. It could happen any minute. And they lived the rest of their lives that way and told everybody else, you better understand there's nothing else that's got to line up for this to happen. And if you hear teaching that says there's all kind of things that have got to line up before it happens, forget it. Jesus said before this generation is done with, all these things that must line up will be lined up. And it can happen in a heartbeat. 
And so Jesus, knowing that those people, just like the people with Noah before the flood, who were just living in their own sin, in their own mess, they're eating and drinking, and they're just doing their thing, and they have no regard for God in the process, and all of a sudden they're swept away. Knowing that, he knows that these disciples and other people would have that tendency and temptation to start drifting off and start mistreating other people and start indulging in all kinds of junk instead of being ready. And so Jesus continued, but he used an example that they could understand. They understood relationships between masters and servants. He's their master. They're his servants. So starting in verse 45, he continues. Sitting there on the Mount of Olives, he says, Who then is that faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants of his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I'll tell you the truth. He'll put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with drunkards. He said the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour he's not aware of He'll cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Man, you're going like, all of a sudden they realize Jesus is serious about this thing. He's saying, you're going to realize I could come any second. And if I'm coming any second, I better not find you mistreating people or living in all of your sin and all of your mess. You better be about what I've set for you to be about, which is what? Loving God and loving people and doing the things I've told you to do. And if not, it's going to be bad. But Jesus also knew that, wait a minute, here's the human tendency. He knew that for those guys and the people that they would teach, there would be so many people who would go like, yeah, I'm going to, I promise, I'm all in, like Steve said, mostly. I'm just going to stay close enough. I'm going to stay close enough to Jesus and I'm going to do enough good stuff. I'm not going to get way off in the bad stuff. Anybody ever been there? I'm not going to get way off in the bad stuff. I'm going to stay just close enough and I'm going to be mostly in. And then whenever I hear that the time is coming, I'll get all in, right? And so Jesus again said, let me use an example that they can understand. They understood a wedding feast. What would happen is the wedding banquet, the bridegroom would be coming, but nobody knew what time he was coming. And all the virgins, that's like in the words of Beyonce, all the single ladies were there with their, with their oil lamps, right? And all the single ladies are waiting with their oil lamps, and they're going to be walking in to usher the bridegroom in, right? And so Jesus said, let me use that as an example. So he says this. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The five foolish ones took their lamps, but they, they took no oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. So they all woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they said, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived and the virgins who were ready went in with him 
to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the, all, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. And all of a sudden, these guys are in a place of realizing for us and all those that we love, we need to make it extremely clear. You're not going to have an opportunity to get it right at the end. It's not that all of a sudden you're going to realize, oh, here it comes. Let me get everything straight. At that time, it will be everlasting too late. And he's saying, if you're not ready, when the time comes, it's too late for you to get ready. You better be ready. But he also knows there's a tendency among these men and all those they would ever teach. And so many of us have it. And that is, okay, I know what being ready means. What being ready means is this, is that I just don't do any really bad stuff. And as long as he doesn't come back and catch me doing some really bad stuff, then I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? And as far as what I do with my life and the things that I do and with all that's been entrusted to me, with all my wealth and with all my gifts and talents, it really doesn't matter what I do with all that. Just, I just got to be careful because God is hard, man. And what I got to do is I just got to stay straight. So when he gets back, I'm not out there doing something like smoking weed or I'm not, you know, I'm not in the middle of an affair. I've just got to try to keep it straight till he gets back. So Jesus, he said, again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags of gold. And to another, one. And then he went on his journey. The one who had received five bags went immediately and put his money to work and gained five more. So also, the one with two bags gained two more. But the one who had one bag went off, dug a hole, and buried his master's money. A long time later, the master returned and settled accounts with his servants. The man who had received five bags brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So also the one with two bags came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags. And see, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. But the one who received, then the one who received one bag came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and reaping where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I gather where I haven't sown and that I, I mean, that I harvest where I hadn't sown and gather where I hadn't spread seed. He, he said, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. And then he said, now take that bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 because whoever has will be given more and they'll have an abundance. But whoever does not have even what they have will be taken away from them. And take that worthless servant and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Then these guys are realizing, you know, he's really serious. He's not just serious about me not doing bad things. He's really serious that we are left here to do something that matters. And he's expecting something from me when he returns. But then he knows there's one last piece, and that last piece is this, is that he knows that over over the entire history of the world, every time people think about being all in and every time people think about doing things for God, they get it all messed up and they start thinking about being more religious or acting more spiritual. They think about all these stupid things that don't have anything to do with what he's really talking about doing. So he finishes with this, just so they'll get what he's talking about when he says, you better be doing the kind of stuff I want you to do with what I've given you when I return. So he says... Verse 31 of chapter 25, if you're following, he says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, he'll sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will gather before him and he'll separate the people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then he'll say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, The Lord When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I'll tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will reply, but Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and didn't help you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of me, these, you did not do for me. Then these will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And he's finished. And they're walking on toward Bethany. That Sermon on the Mount will rock your world. But this that Jesus spoke on the Mount of Olives, it'll change everything. God's saying something to you and to me right now. And we, like those disciples sitting on the ground at his feet, we got some decisions to make and got some awareness You understand what he's saying? Tune in. He's saying, guys, you're asking for me to tell you when it's going to be happening so you can get everything ready before it happens. 
let me just help you understand everything will have come together and it's going to be right at the door and guess what it did and it was and he's saying don't you understand I'm coming like a thief in the night you got to be ready for me and please don't let me come and find you beating your fellow servants mistreating other people please don't come and let me find you eating and drinking with drunkards please don't let me find you like those fools who were living like crazy before the flood came and swept them all away please and somebody here today like maybe one of those disciples or people they loved and knew needs to come to him and say God if you had found me last week you would have found me doing those things but if you find me next week you won't I'm hitting this altar today and I'm saying from this point forward I will not let him find me doing those things and then somebody else is sitting here and you're going like I've lived my whole life staying real close just close enough to where I felt like if if it came down to it and I started realizing it was happening I could get ready and he's saying to you don't you understand it's right at the door and when it comes when I come, you will not have time to get ready. Listen, you will hear me say, I'll tell you the truth, I don't know you. Don't try to get to know me now if you didn't know me before. I don't know you. And how many people need to come and flood this altar and say, God, please forgive me. I have stayed close instead of all into my relationship with you. I want you to know me, and I want to know you. I'm coming today. I'm going to be ready. And then for everybody here who's always thought it was just about this impossible God to please and I'm just going to try to not sin too bad. And he's saying, don't you realize that's not it at all? I left you here so I could put my love in your heart and you could take everything you got and you could go out and change the world. Listen to that one more time. I left you here so I could put my love in your heart and every gift you've got, you could go out and use it to change the world. You could go out and use it to make a difference. I expect something from you. And I expect to find you doing it when I return. Somebody here needs to come and say to God, God, you've entrusted me with all this. And just like that wise servant that received the five bags of gold, I'm going to go at once and put it to work for you. I'm going to start using what you've given me to love other people. And then finally, somebody needs to say, God, I'm going to stop loving just with words and tongue and acting all spiritual. I'm going to start caring about people enough to do something. I'm going to start really loving people. Meeting the needs that they have. And God, when you come back, I'm going to be like Peter. I'm going to be looking forward to it. Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name that this altar call would leave not one person not ready. In Jesus' name, amen.